and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. If you listened to my last episode, you already know when I started my ABA program, when I stopped pursuing becoming a BCBA, and when I started it again. But in case you missed it, here's a short recap. I started my master's in special education in 2013. Pretty early in that program, I took a behavior class and everything made sense to me. It all clicked, I fell in love with it, And I decided at that point that I was going to go back and get a graduate certificate and apply behavior analysis as soon as I graduated. And that's exactly what I did. I graduated in May 2015 with my master's degree and I started my ABA certificate that June. And then three things happened to me all at the same time that together made me decide I did not want to be a BCBA anymore. It's hard for me to pinpoint which one actually tipped the scale because I'm not sure if I'd experienced just one of these things. I would have come to that conclusion, but all three together really made me feel like I was on the wrong path. And so that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. The first one was that the classes were really, really hard. I struggled through high school. I struggled through college. I didn't get into the college I wanted to. I struggled to adapt to college when I did go. I'm not a strong student, I did not have a good GPA, and then I do my master's program and I was really successful in it. So when I started my ABA classes, I kind of thought maybe my struggles were behind me. And then I struggled a lot and I just felt like I was 15 years old again and I had so much self-doubt. I was passing the classes, but I was barely passing the classes and I wasn't really retaining any information. In high school, my brother was really smart and he was really successful. In college, my husband was also very smart and very successful. I felt like I looked around and I saw people who are able to do whatever they put their mind to. If they just spent enough time studying, they could do it. And here I was spending time studying. I I was putting the effort in and I was still struggling and I didn't understand why I wasn't the same way. I started to feel like I wasn't going to be smart enough to pass the test. I wasn't even sure if I'd be smart enough to finish the classes. And if I'm being really honest, I'm still struggling with this. It makes me feel really overwhelmed when I have people tell me, oh, you'll definitely pass the test. I'm sure you're going to get it done on the first try. There's this pressure, like if I don't pass the test, I'm letting a ton of people down. But I can think about it much more logically now at the age of 30. I'm completely okay with having to take the test a couple of times. I know my personal expectations and limitations. I know that if I fall the first time, I'll be able to pinpoint exactly where I struggle and I'll be able to make it through the second time, or maybe it'll be the third time and that's okay too. I'll be able to get support from my BCBAs. I'll be able to hire a tutor if I need it. And honestly, if anyone is disappointed in me for failing the test, that's on them. It's not on me. But when I was 25, I didn't have this perspective. That fear of failure, especially the fear of other people's reaction to failure, was enough to shake my confidence. And again, I'm not saying that it's a complete reason that I stopped, but it made for a pretty shaky foundation. And then when the other two reasons were layered on, it crumbled. The second reason is a hard one to explain, 
but I struggled to get supervision. And please know, if you're listening to this podcast, my personal experience is not indicative of what it's like to get supervision as a public school teacher. A lot of people do get supervision in the classroom. In fact, Katie from Spot On Special Ed is a great person to reach out to because she's doing it right now. It was just my particular county with their weird policies that prohibited me from getting the supervision I needed. My county has a relationship with George Mason University. They did cohorts, so basically George Mason University would offer certain programs to the teachers in my county. Everybody in my class taught from my county, and the classes were actually taught in the buildings that my county owned. So instead of driving 20 miles to go to George Mason's campus, a professor would come out to our administration building and lead classes. I took my classes every Thursday night, and this is how I got my master's degree. I did a master's in special education cohort program. So my county actually paid for a couple of my classes, and I got discounts on the other classes because I was in the cohort. The only rule was that I had to continue to teach special education in my county for two years past my graduation date, or I'd have to pay back the money that the county gave me. I was in my master's program from January 2013 until May 2015. In 2014, George Mason had ABA cohorts with my county. Students could enter the cohort, do the six-core sequence together, and get the graduate certificate in ABA. They also qualified to get supervision from other teachers and administrators who worked in the county and happened to be board certified as well. You cannot be in two cohorts at the same time. So although I was really interested in that cohort in 2014, I was already in the master's one, so I couldn't join it. So I kind of thought, okay, as soon as I finish my first cohort, I'll dive into a second one. But then my county stopped doing ABA cohorts. I contacted a lot of people in my county and at George Mason to see if they thought they would ever start one up again. I was told a definitive no from multiple people. There just wasn't enough interest in getting people to get their certificates in ABA, and it didn't warrant the program. I was told if I really wanted a certificate in ABA, the best thing would be just to go to George Mason directly and enroll. So that's what I did. I enrolled as a postgraduate student and started earning the certification. Like I said, I started earning my certification in June 2015. I took spring of 2016 off because I was getting married, and I happened to go through a lot in that time as well. I kind of broke down that summer, and I had to put the pieces back together. And this is the part that's just, like, really frustrating to me. My county decided to start the cohorts up again in fall of 2016. I was told there was no chance this was going to happen, but it did. Because I already had four classes, I was not allowed to join the cohort. But because I was not in the cohort, I was not allowed to get supervision in my classroom from a BCBA. I'm going to repeat that again because it continues to be one of the silliest policies I've ever heard. I could not join the cohort because I was already getting the classes, but I could not get the supervision because I was not in the cohort. So basically, they wanted their teachers to be board certified, so they started a cohort to make that happen. And they had a teacher that was already working on becoming board certified, but they wouldn't help me get the supervision. Although I already had people in the county who were board certified coming in and out of my classroom and could easily give me supervision. In fact, I reached out because one of my supervisors said, hey, if you can get it approved, I'll supervise you. To clarify, one of my county supervisors was a BCBA. And she says, I'll give you BCBA supervision. And it was a no. It was just, it was a no. And looking back, I really wish I had just been a pain in the ass because I'm pretty sure if I had been, I could have gotten them to do it. It was a stupid policy and no one questioned them. 
And so when I was told no, I didn't know to fight back. I'm slowly, slowly struggling to put my life back together. My mental health isn't where it needs to be. I'm on probation at my job. Everything was really hard. And I was being told no. So I kind of just said, okay, what do I do now? And I remember one of my supervisors in the county being like, why don't you go work ABA part-time? Like, that was easy to do. So really, at that point, the only way I could have gotten supervision was to go work at a private ABA company at night and on weekends. And at this point, I was, like, my job was consuming me. I was doing stuff for my classroom until I went to bed. I was spending all weekend working it as well. I couldn't even begin to figure out how I could fit in a part-time job doing ABA and getting supervision. And it was frustrating that my full-time job was giving me a ton of opportunities. I just wasn't allowed to do it because of some policy. And this became a major roadblock for me. And let's layer on the third piece. I met some really awful BCBAs during this time. People who came in and told me horrible things, like I was the reason the child wasn't making progress. They would say, I wasn't trying hard enough, and I didn't really care about my kids or my job. People who made me feel like it was just my fault and my fault alone that the child was having difficulties. And this wasn't just one experience. This is a repeated experience. I started to feel like BCBAs were the enemy. I felt like they would never understand what it was like to be a teacher. Or I felt like they weren't in it for the right reasons. Sometimes I felt less about the child and more about just hating the school system. I felt like they believed they were better than everybody else. And I just, I didn't want to be in that business. And that's not what all BCBAs are like, but those were the handful of people that I met. And it really just soured me to the entire field. So let's look at this entire big picture. It's fall of 2016. Again, I'm on probation at my job. And it's this huge glaring reminder that I'm not good enough. Now this time, it's not just my anxiety speaking to me because I have a piece of paper that I had to sign that outlined all of the ways I wasn't good enough and all the things I had to try and do to become better. And I talked a lot about that in episode eight, but that really puts someone in a messed up mindset. So I'm on probation and I'm slowly trying to get better at my job. I did decide to continue to take my ABA classes simply because if I finished all of them, I would get a pay increase, but they're absolutely whipping my butt. And every minute that was not in my classroom was spent studying for my classes. I can't get supervision on top of it. I'm trying to improve my job and study for classes. And I got to figure out how to do a part-time job. And once you start accruing supervision, you have to do at least 20 hours a month, which averages out to about five hours a week. So I had to find five hours a week to be working towards BCBA in addition to everything else I was trying to do at this time. It was just too hard to do that. And on top of it, the only representation I had of BCBAs was not good people, and I did not want to associate with them. So by the end of the year, it became pretty obvious all the signs were pointing to, I should not chase this dream. It wasn't the right one for me. I tell my husband, and we say, okay, go ahead and finish up the courses, but then we just hang the certificate on the wall, kind of put that thought up on a shelf, and I think I'm never going to touch it again. Fast forward to fall of 2018. I met a BCBA who was different. She came to a meeting and she was amazing. She was a team player. She actually wanted to hear what I thought and she wanted to bounce ideas around with me. It was a great relationship and we ended up meeting a lot because she was pretty involved in the student's life. It was around this time that I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was pretty sure I needed to make a change. That's going to be next week's podcast and we'll talk more about why I finally decided being a teacher wasn't right for me, but I came to the conclusion I needed to try something else out. And I'm working with the BCBA who is wonderful. And not only does she own her own center, I realize she has openings at it. And as luck would have it, this BCBA happened to know my assistant principal well enough that they had a pretty good connection. 
So when I finally worked up the courage to tell my assistant principal that I didn't want to teach anymore, she said, what do you think you're going to do? And I said I was interested in working for the center. She said, do you want me to put a call in and let them know that you're curious? And I was like, um, yes, please. And at this point, I still didn't think I was going to become a BCBA because although I had learned not all BCBAs were terrible, I still didn't think I was smart enough to pass the test. And I didn't want to start everything up again just to fail in the end. When I interviewed with the company, they actually suggested working towards supervision and I turned down that offer. I thought I just wanted to be a therapist. I did that for about eight months and then a couple of things happened. I became really close with a coworker who started working towards her BCBA. We had another coworker who was getting ready to take her test. And I was getting a little jealous when I saw them doing ABLES, graphing data, writing protocols. Those are the pieces of the job that I missed. So I finally took a deep breath, had some meetings with my BCBAs and decided I would finally do it. And so now we know how I have a degree in journalism and why I have a three plus year break in becoming a BCBA. Tune in for the last piece of the puzzle next week. It'll be why I decided that teaching was not the right fit for me. It's been a bumpy journey, but it has been worth it. I turned 30 last summer. And although I spent my 20s trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I'll spend my 30s actually doing it, and that's a relief. I hope you're enjoying this series, and I am so excited to bring you guys along in this next wave of my career. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and you can visit me at adaptationstation.net. I can't wait to bring you guys the next episode, and I'll talk again soon.